listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. Welcome to the Paul McGuire Report, wherever you are, um, assuming you are in America or listening in from one of the other continents. Welcome to the program. We're going to continue our expose of what is really happening behind the scenes and how it integrates with Bible prophecy or God's prophetic word. Now, I want to, what I want to talk about, and, and let me just say this up front, uh, I don't know, I got, I got another, I don't know if I was canceled finally, or what threat it was from Google. Whenever I communicate the truth, I get payback from the big social media companies. They, do, they want a stranglehold on uh, what kind of information is released to the public. I'm not talking about irresponsible, well, let's say, reporting. I'm not talking about fake news. And fake news, by the way, is as fake as you could get. So when you think of fake news, just think of fake. Uh, Fake news is fake because it's paid for by the billionaire class, and it's designed to discredit via lies or misquotes. It's designed to discredit whatever the truth is. So, for example, uh, global warming, The, the world, planet Earth, is not getting and has not been getting warmer uh, this entire time. The threat, you know, pronounced by Al Gore regarding global warming was when the drums of panic started to be pounded on with a frenzy. Well, it turns out that the scientists tell us years later that, oh, gee, we were wrong. Of course, now they don't admit that in the school system. They don't admit that in the political sphere. They continue to embrace the mythology that global warming is real because, after all, their true agenda, their real agenda, has nothing to do with the environment. That's a subterfuge. Their real agenda is finding something that they can scare the living daylights out of people who who don't have time to research. And I'm not blaming them for that. They're probably working their posteriors off and commuting and two jobs and all the rest of that stuff. So they don't have time to research. But the scientists have told us that, yes, we're experiencing climate change, but it's not global warming. So the United Nations and these other environmentalist groups, they they have to keep their paranoia gig going. And in order to keep the paranoia gig going, they have to to manufacture a demon to scare everybody. So they wanted to make sure they, they didn't get discredited for uh, pronouncing the danger of global warming. And at the same time, they, they needed to, to, to promote this radical environmentalist agenda because the real issue is not even the environment. The real issue is they need a boogeyman. They need, you know, like, like a nightmare person or a nightmare scenario again, to terrify people, because their ultimate goal behind all of this is they want to, whether you like it or not, they're going to shove their new world order down your throat. And most people you know don't even, despite the fact that new world order has become a mainstream term, people think, well, that's going to be some benevolent thing. It's not going to be a benevolent thing. The new world order is going to be a nightmare world, because if you study, if you read, Knowledge is power, and I've written about this in my books. You know, I don't want to. I get tired of naming the titles of my books. You need to read the books; they're at a great discount. You need to read them. You need to be uh, 
you need to be able to to defend your position position. So what you have to understand is the old new world order was simply a sales gimmick word to promote a global communist Marxist or what we would call a global dictatorship. And it was all built on and created by the principles of hardcore communism or hardcore Marxism, and in some cases, hardcore fascism. Now, what all of these ideologies have in common is that, first and foremost, communist dictatorships and Marxist dictatorships have literally, and this is factual, they keep lying about the actual numbers because they don't want the public to know what the real numbers are. But hundreds of millions of people, uh, starting around 1917 with the advent of what was called the Bolshevik Revolution, also known as the Communist Russian Revolution, which occurred in 1917, they killed a couple hundred million people. They shot them to death. They starved them to death. They locked them in mental uh, mental hospitals. Anybody who didn't agree with the communist ideology, that was enough to diagnose them as being insane and lock them up in some crazy house where they were chained to the wall and shot up with, with, with drugs so that they were out of their minds most of the time. So for disagreeing with communism, you were sent to a prison-like mental hospital, or you were shot to death, or you were forced to work in the sub-zero temperatures of icy, cold Siberia, which is one of the most desolate, bleak places on planet Earth, slaving away till you drop dead, frozen. And then you had all the other Marxist communist countries like Cuba, like Cambodia, like North Vietnam, and communist China. I just saw a picture, it was either today or yesterday, and all the American big shot billionaires, you know, they're all in the same age category. You know, they all wear running shoes instead of, uh, you know, dress shoes. I'm not going to name their names. You know their names. Their names are household uh, words. They're, They're the guys that own and have created the most giant companies. And it was, did they create the giant companies because they're such brilliant light bulbs? No, no. They had secret funding. Many of these billionaire boys have had secret funding all along, beginning in their teenage years, and they were, they were recruited and they began to be developed uh, as young children. So secret money, secret funds, secret investments were funneled their way. And so when you hear these stories about, well, let's just talk about one guy here, the founder of uh, Microsoft. Uh, Bill Gates, you know, the, 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 the little story they invented. Oh, he was just tinkering away in his family's middle-class home's garage. And he was, you know, playing around with computers. And then, you know, he just happened to be tinkering away in the family garage. And the next thing you knew, he developed the, the software system of Microsoft Windows. I mean, no real hardcore experience in computers or anything. But out of the blue, 
he invents none, none of the big shot engineers at the big shot tech companies or or MIT or the, the military industrial complex or whatever. Nobody else managed to to develop Microsoft Windows, but Bill Gates, you know, just tinkering away, drinking a Coca Cola in his garage, you know, had a, a flash of inspiration, and he invents Microsoft Windows, and mysteriously then. He doesn't have to, to go out and sell it and knock on doors. There's no resistance at all. It's like he, he goes on to follow the yellow brick road path. Follow the yellow brick road. You know how that song goes. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of us. So I have in my mind, and a picture in my mind of Bill Gates dancing and prancing out of his garage. And he's starting to skip down the yellow brick road on his way to Oz see the wonderful Wizard of Oz, and the next thing you know, he's got secret investments of hundreds of millions of dollars, and then it turns into billions of dollars, and then Microsoft is launched, and it changes the entire world forever. Do you really, I mean, come on, give me a break. Do you really believe that is the true biographical account of how Microsoft Windows was invented? Do you really believe that? I don't. Because I chose not to be a sucker. <clears throat> and people who choose not to be suckers don't get sucker punched on a regular basis. But you and I, we're not suckers. But you and I have to watch out because there's plenty of suckers out there. And suckers love to throw a sucker punch at you. They want you to believe this stuff. It's not true. Let me give you another story. Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, there was a guy named Steven Spielberg. Now, I've been, once upon a time in my life, where Steven Spielberg was at the beginning of his career path. Obviously, my, my journey didn't end up anywhere near like his, and I'm not bitter about it. But, but I would go and I would have lunch or have private meetings with the biggest studio heads, the biggest producers in Hollywood. Why? Because I, would, I was diligent, and I, I was aggressive in terms of pitching and selling my film projects. So I, I'm not talking from, from you know, the outside. I'm talking about being a totally unknown guy who knocked on the doors, was thrown off studio lots because lots of other people are trying to get on those studio lots. And there's lots of heavy-duty guards guarding you from, you know, the... the the empires and the giant producers and the presidents of the different studios. But I was meeting with men, I was meeting with a huge percentage of the biggest names in Hollywood. You can say, I don't believe it. I don't care if you don't believe it. It's, I got all this stuff on videotape. When they rolled out in limousines and you know, expensive cars and stuff to see a private showing of a movie I was the executive producer of. And why did I have a couple of thousand people roll out? Uh, to see a, a, a preview uh, of the film, the sci-fi, low-budget, you know, uh, Road Warrior-type film we made. Why did I get them all to come? Because I, I began my career in PR, marketing, and promotion. And so I applied that, that, that knowledge, and I enticed them all to come because I had regular full I had regular full-page articles in me, our movie company, our movies, on the front page of, of what was then known as The Hollywood Reporter and on the front page of Variety. 
Okay, I knew how to do that because, well, just a side note. I don't usually tell all these things because I just have other things to talk about. But, you know, when I began, we didn't have cell phones. Few high-rolling producers had uh, car phones or some of the people who drove Rolls Royces, they had car phones and stuff. But everybody else had to use, you know, a landline phone. There were no cell phones. So I remember, you know, I had just, we had just come to Southern California and Hollywood, I don't know. We we just landed here, okay? I mean, when land, I mean, drove here. My wife and I think she came for acting and I came for producing. And uh, immediately I picked up work as an independent PR man and publicist for a bunch of feature films. And I remember, uh, I, you know, you would learn from the, the guys who were doing it, you know. I didn't learn from a professor. I learned from guys who were actually in the business. And I remember um, I was arranging to have a massive press announcement, massive publicity for a film that I was hired to do the PR and promotion on. And the name of the film was called Windwalker. And it was nominated for an Academy Award. But there was a huge controversy that had started growing. Right, right before I got hired, this controversy started to take off because the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences de- denied them their Academy Award in, in, in the proper category. I'm trying to recall something I did a couple of decades ago. So they were denied their Academy Award because the Academy Awards designated them as a foreign uh, film. And the Indians were furious about this from coast to coast. They were furious because they argued that um, when, when the Indians spoke on the screen, we had white letters, you know, in English. When, when Americans spoke on the screen, they spoke in English that you could understand. So it was a mass audience film. But when the Indians spoke, they were speaking in the, the, the official Native American language. And the Indians uh, protested very, very aggressively and said, you have no right to categorize the film Windwalker as a foreign language film, they argued. When you hear us speak in the movie Windwalker, we're not speaking a foreign language. We're speaking uh, in the Native American language, which was the original, the original language of the people of America, because the people of America were originally Indians. And so when you hear us speaking, we're speaking in our Native American language. And they were annoyed, and and they were annoyed because they were being miscategorized as a foreign language film. They said, Native American is not a foreign language. It is the actual home language of America before the Pilgrims and Puritans and everybody else came here. So that thing was brewing now. So I got hired to to do PR, promotion, promote the film. And then uh, I got hired also to help guide the film out of this quagmire 
and and get it back on the path of of uh, it getting a a proper Academy Award at the Academy Awards ceremony. So I got hired as the PR man, and I was already good because I had done a bunch of independent films. I had done a whole number of years of promoting uh, contemporary Christian music uh, concerts on Broadway and Times Square. And, you know, I had a lot of PR experience. So anyway, I, des- I, I, I created a title for a press release that I sent to all the big media, big media in L.A. and big media in the movie business and big media across the nation. And I, I'm trying to remember the title I gave the, the, my press release. And I'm going to give it to you as best as I can remember it. Indians United, because that was the name of an organization that I helped create to represent the Indian cause, the Native American Indian cause. So the title of the press release in, in big letters at the beginning goes, Indians United, the name of this Indian Native Indian uh, organization I helped create, Indians United to offer Peace Pipe to Academy Awards of Motion Picture and Sciences or Tribal Trouble. Now, I, I, I had a little bit cleaner uh, grammar in the original press release, but essentially all the media got it and it said that the Indians were coming and uh, they were going to go to the actual front door of the Academy of the Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences and they were, they were going to, I arranged to have authentic Indian chiefs of real tribes, a whole bunch of them, dressed in full Indian chief outfits, not, not outfits, that was the proper, they were going to be dressed in official, authentic attire that they would normally wear at Indian ceremonies, etc. So, you know, they had the Indian headdress, the whole deal. And then I arranged for them with, with the intention of having all these big networks, and they all came, ABC, NBC, CBS, and they were going to offer a peace pipe and offer to smoke the peace pipe in front of the television cameras and, and offer the peace pipe to the heads of the, the head and heads of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Now, when I first started arranging the publicity, I, I sent a press release out, and it was good, but the wire services, which at that time, they basically controlled all the flow of news, what was news, what was ignored, what, what made the front page. And uh, it was like United Press International and stuff like that, others. There was a bunch of them. So I called one of the top guys in one of these, you know, United Press uh, organizations and told him about it. And this is what he said to me. He said to me, is there going to be violence? And I said, no, no, it's going to be a peaceful demonstration. And then he says to me, this is, this is a guy that's controlling the flow of information. Then he says to me, I, I'm not going to be able to get you any cameramen, the networks or whatever, unless you can give me violence or something like that. Because nobody's going to pay attention unless you've got violence or some kind of riot or whatever. So, you know, I thanked him and that was it. Because I really wasn't willing to, to, to do that. Okay. That was just too far. But I also wasn't willing to give up because that was not too far. That was just stupid. So I thought about what he said. If I'm, if I'm willing to, to generate this massive controversy, he'll have everybody there and, and, and we will, in, in 
in those days the term was called, we will roadblock the evening news. Roadblocking the evening news meant that on every major network like ABC, CBS, and NBC, they would all air my story with the Indians at the same prime time time slot in the evening and the early evening. They would all they would air my story. All the big networks would air my story, and they would air it live in prime time, all at the same time. So that meant no matter what channel, what big channel you tried to tune into, you were going to see my story with the Indians in the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, and and, the, and that was called roadblocking the evening news. In other words, you you were going to dominate with the three networks. You were going to dominate. Prime time live, the most important time slot of the day, and people would not be able to avoid your story because you had a, it was you made it so important that all the networks were airing it at the same time. Okay, so I, I, I'm not I, I generally don't believe in giving up, and the Indians were getting really now upset, and there was certain there were certain tribes were threatening to riot on their. Uh, Indian reservations across the nation. It was being talked about in uh, Washington, D.C. There was this talk of an Indian uprising. I don't know where all this was coming from, but there was a lot of energy generating this thing. So my job as a PR man is is to manage and promote and sell the movie and, and position the movie to receive the proper Academy Award. So that's why I, I said, look, I'm not going to do violence. It's, that's not, it's against my moral beliefs. But I will, I will use incredible action, excitement, and visuals to grab people. So that's why I came up with Indians United to, to offer uh, Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, Peace Pipe, or Tribal Trouble. And then I arranged for all these big-time Indian chiefs from big-time tribes to come along with many other Indians to all come to the, to the front door of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, ring the doorbell, okay? And then, it was like three weeks later, I made it happen. The Indian chiefs in full Indian attire huge peace pipe with smoke coming out of it, people chanting in Native American Indian language, uh, crowds of Indians amassing around the front of the Academy Awards, and uh, they ring the doorbell. ABC's there with their camera crews and satellite trucks. NBC, same thing. CBS, the same thing. And I gave them enough to, to satisfy them. They had Indians fully attired, dressed like Indian chiefs, which they were, representing the major tribes in America. And they rang the doorbell of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences to petition them with their grievance of being re, uh, rejected and, and, and miscategorized. And so the television lights are on, the camera crews, the satellite trucks. Now, my job, is, I'm not, I don't get up there and make a speech. I'm, I, mean, I have no problem doing that, but it's, the story's not about me. It's about the Indians. So, fortunately, many of these chiefs were, were fluent in, obviously, their Native American language, but they were also fluent in the, the Americanized English language. So they communicated. And, and, and so the heads of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences opened the door, 
the, the, the TV lights hit them. They're not used to being tele from television live. And next thing you know, you know, the pounding of the drums, uh, they're offered a peace pipe. They, they make their, the Indian chiefs make their petition. And then they actually, as I recall, smoked the peace pipe. The Indians smoked the peace pipe. And, and the academy, you know, was caught between a rock and a hard place. They couldn't look like they were. It would be very uncool and very, even back then, very unpolitically correct to not accept the offer of smoking a peace pipe by the Indians. And, and the academy didn't want to look bad at that. So they smoked the peace pipe that the Indian chiefs gave them in, in a ceremonial sense. And all of this is going out live all across the nation. And we're roadblocking the evening news. Okay, so the thing explodes. The story explodes. My job is to keep the momentum going. The film is now being released in L.A. and New York and all across the nation. It's drawing large crowds because it's a really good film. Uh, Wind Walker is the name of the film. And then, uh, then the day of the Academy Awards comes. I don't even remember what category they finally got. They got a category. I'm not sure they got the category they wanted. This is a long time ago. But in any case, during the Academy Awards, there are thousands of Indians in full Indian outfits all over the place, outside. Not disruptive, but I'm holding up signs, you know, Windwalker, uh, denied an Academy Award or, or vote for Windwalker, you know, stuff like that, which all generated publicity for the cause and all generated publicity for uh, an Academy Award for the film Windwalker. Okay, so in any case, that was a, a diversion and a side note, but it tells you something about my background in terms of promotion, marketing, and public relations. That that I that I that was my business for years, and then I went from PR to being a producer and stuff like that. So in any case, I know how that that game works. So where we are now in in America. Uh, now there are cell phones and there's social media and and PR. Well, it's at its root, it's it's the same game, but the, the technologies available to you are vastly, vastly more primarily as of the internet. Okay, you're listening to the Paul McGuire report. I'm Paul McGuire. When we come back, I'm going to expose this push towards this great reset. How it is impacting you? How it's impacting our nation? and other things from a prophetic uh, end times perspective. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. You are now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. Okay, so I shared a little bit about my background in PR, promotion, marketing, stuff like that. That occurred both in Hollywood and in New York City and other other major media like Fox News, CNN, and stuff like that. So that gives you uh, uh, an insider's perspective or view of how information is dispersed, the battle or fight uh, by different interests to get their product, their idea, their lifestyle, or whatever it is, their political agenda, whatever it is. There's a battle for the control of people's minds and hearts via the media, and, and that's what PR and promotion and marketing and all that stuff's all about. Now, uh, people 
can can be sometimes programmed for evil or for good. And um, we are in a period of time right now where the media, in some senses, it's never been more wide open. But but the wide open nature of the media really, if you look beyond the illusion, it, it's it's mainly taking place in like exterior to the culture, to the to the mainstream culture uh, sectors like you know Rumble or, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, they reach a lot of people, but but they they don't dominate the consciousness of America. Now there are media that that are owned by the that by the globalist elite that are owned by BlackRock, the, the giant networks, the giant social media companies, etc. And and they are still in not total control, but still to a large degree are in control of the thinking and beliefs and ideas of the average man or the average woman. And when I talk or when you talk to the average man or average woman, the majority of them, not all of them, but the majority of them usually will with their mouths they will they will repeat whatever it is that the mainstream media, the globalist elite media, has been spoon feeding them to believe or teaching them or programming them to believe. So one of the most powerful globalist institutions on planet Earth are institutions like the United Nations, the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum, and, and other globalist organizations because they are controlled by the largely invisible, in many cases, invisible billionaire class and even the secret trillionaire class that secretly runs the world. And the problem you and I face is that a lot of people have been so programmed from childhood to believe in a kind of a fairy tale about reality. And in this fairy tale of reality, you know, even in this fallen world, according to the fairy tale, uh, good always triumphs over evil in the short term. And, you know, according to the humanistic predominant fairy tale, they will say, and most people will echo it, they will say, people are basically good. I mean, modern psychology, I remember when I began studying modern psychology, they would say all the time, people are basically good by nature. And it's their environment, or it's a negative economic environment, or or social psychological environment that turns basically good people into bad people who do bad things. Well, unfortunately, as romantic as that fairy tale notion is, and that's what that's the narrative that most people believe, as as seductive as that fairy tale view of reality is, the fact of the matter is it's not true. It is simply not true that people are basically good. In fact, this is the difference between the Bible written by the Creator and the mythological viewpoints of reality that are invented by fallen men and women and are are fictitious, even though they're believed by fallen men and women. The Bible, which is God's Word and is the ultimate authority and, and contains the final truth or final reality, the Bible clearly teaches us, beginning in the book of Genesis, that the human race is a fallen race. We, we are no longer the, the people that God created in the Garden of Eden. We, our ancestors, Adam and Eve, 
ate from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they did that, a curse came upon them, planet Earth, and the world. And so man is a fallen creature, which means man by his very nature, his nature is fallen. So from birth on, from conception on, every man and woman is a fallen being with a fallen nature. That means you have a predisposition to sin. And every man or woman born, no matter how spiritual they may look on the outside, on the interior, they have a fallen or what is known as a sinful human nature. So every man and woman alive is predisposed to act and think and believe based on their fallen human nature or sinful human nature. This is the way it is. So that's in total contrast to the humanistic mythology and fairy tale that man and women are basically good. No, they're not. Every man or woman that is born is born at the core with a totally self-centered, a totally self-centered personality, a totally sinful personality. And so man, and by extension man's governments, man's power structures, man's economies, and the world itself, is governed by, by fallen men and women with the sinful human nature, and fallen men and women with the sinful human nature, follow along with the lies and the spiritual deception that they're being fed, because it, it agrees, it synchronizes with their fallen human nature. So the dilemma we have is that the, the true depiction and understanding of reality is one that we live in a fallen world populated with fallen human beings who, from the moment of conception, have a sinful human nature. As Christians, our job is to really believe that, not fight against it. But most Christians and most Christian theology in America has adulterated the Word of God, and it has has mixed the lies and mythologies of humanism. It has mixed with the truth of biblical Christianity. So in this hybrid theology, which is a mixture of the Word of God and humanistic beliefs, in this hybrid theology, man is no longer considered fallen or sinful, and even Christians teach, whether they they, they do it directly or indirectly, whether they do it by inference or whether they do it by by blatantly stating it, what what they're insinuating, what they're communicating to the world. Most of the preaching in America what they're communicating to the world is that man is basically good. And, uh, you know, it's simply bad people that make people bad and make people have bad decisions. Okay, because of that level of spiritual deception regarding the true nature of our reality, the true nature of our world, because of that primary spiritual deception, we are all, we have all been set up to believe the humanistic lies, including the humanistic theological lies. The basic humanistic theological lie is that man is God, and that there is no God, and that man is good, left to his own devices. Now, that primary falsehood in belief is a crippling force in attempting to understand our world and our reality. It actually paralyzes the average human being, from discovering 
and understanding the truth about how this world functions. And most people have no idea about how this world functions. But Jesus Christ said, you shall know the truth, the truth shall set you free. When you know the truth about how this world functions, according to the Word of God, which is truth, and not some mythological humanistic belief, when you know the truth about reality, and it's only when you know the truth about reality and when you understand the truth about reality, it is only then that you can comprehend and process the the dynamic of developing both your intellect and your consciousness to fully assimilate and understand, to put it bluntly, what is really going on. You need to know the truth about what is really going on. But you see, because of these primary lies that have been sown into our consciousness via education and entertainment and the media, etc., lies that are fueled by humanistic and transhumanist ideas, the human race, the, the larger percentage of the American people collectively have chosen to believe an all-encompassing spiritual deception. And in that deception, it's like their brains automatically shut down if they try to break through the barrier of delusion and really understand what our reality is all about, according to God's Word, and what the Bible tells us about the reality that we live in. And so there's this invisible barrier. I always liken it to uh, a ceiling in an office or a bedroom or whatever. You know, however many feet it is from the average floor to the average ceiling, the ceiling would represent the highest level of mental processing, the highest level of consciousness, the highest level of, of intellectual understanding that is possible to a person would be likened to how many feet it is to the ceiling. And the ceiling represents the barrier between you and your individual consciousness and a far deeper pervasive understanding of reality. So here's the problem. Because you have been indoctrinated with humanistic thought, whether you realize it or not, your thoughts are shaped, formed, and limited, and managed, and programmed by this humanistic thought. And so the average person, because of all the the social engineering that has been a part of their lives growing up, the average person simply cannot assimilate, simply cannot process, simply cannot understand, simply cannot comprehend the idea, just even the idea that there exists a small percentage of people alive on planet Earth, the 1%, who control 99% of all the wealth and the resources. And they find it very difficult to understand the reality of the existence of this 1% and the fact of the matter that this 1%, the super trillionaires, the super billionaires who control all of planet Earth, and that they only represent about 1% of the population of planet Earth, that they are, until Christ returns, uh, in charge under the authority of Satan, who's the temporary god of this world. This 1% is in charge of, of, of the reality that we live in. And that this 1%, in actuality, when you study their lives and their belief systems, you discover 
that it is not mythological and it's not a fairy tale to suggest that they could be classified as Satan worshippers, occultists, Luciferians. And so they, do, they have totally, through their transhumanism, through their humanism, they have totally rejected all Judeo-Christian or biblical beliefs. They just gutted all biblical and Judeo-Christian beliefs. And so they reject the truth, and then they pound home and indoctrinate the rest of the human race into also rejecting the truth. And the truth says that all men are sinners and fallen from God. And because all men and women are sinners and fallen from God, as the Bible says, all men and women are in desperate need of a Savior from their sins. And that's a reality, not a fiction. And that's why Jesus Christ had to come to planet Earth to save us through his blood from our sins, because we're sinners, and the rule, the world is ruled by sinners. But the great apostasy, the great delusion, the great spiritual deception that is, is functioning like a ceiling in people's minds is blocking them from seeing the truth of the reality all around us. So they live in essentially what could be called an American or global matrix, uh, a virtual reality created by the transhumanists and a world built on spiritual deception. But there's this mental barrier, there's, 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 there's this mental block, which is so entrenched, which does not allow people to accept the true truth. And the true truth is this, is that this world is ruled by just 1% of a super-powerful globalist elite class of super-billionaires and super-trillionaires who have the power to totally control planet Earth, and they are doing that right now, and that they have decided to overrule our collective will a long time ago, and that their impulses, and people don't want to hear this, people don't want to process this, people don't want to believe this, even though it's true. But the truth of the matter is, this 1%, this globalist leader, Luciferian elite, they are motivated by a totally dictatorial, self-centered and sinful impulse where they believe that because they have the absolute power and the absolute wealth, that they have the absolute right to dominate, control, and if need be, destroy and wipe us out from even living on planet Earth. And right now, they're in a full press assault to do what most Americans and most people on planet Earth would consider the unthinkable. So what I'm suggesting to you is that the globalist elite are currently moving full speed ahead at doing what most people consider to be the unthinkable. And the unthinkable would encompass things like the total annihilation and murder of what they consider excessive population growth. And they, not us collectively, but they, the globalist elite, they believe that the current level of the population of planet Earth, which is an estimated 7 billion people, is way too big a population number for, for Earth to be sustainable. And so they have decided, like little dictators, like little but very powerful dictators, they have decided that they are going to, by any means necessary, exterminate, murder, kill off, wipe out, decimate, whatever word you want to use, 
excessive population growth. So that means that the 6.5 billion people, that means that they have an intentional plan because of their belief system. They have an intentional plan to kill off, wipe out, exterminate 6.5 billion people. They're going to kill them as fast as they can. Now, the minute you suggest that, based on factual research, research based on documentation, that, that is evidence that's provable, the, the moment you state that, you are encountered with anger, hostility, hatred, rejection, name-calling, ridicule, whatever you want to call it. It's an instantaneous reaction, because what I just suggested to you, which happens to be true, which happens to be provable by evidence, what I just suggested to you is indeed the mindset and the secret agenda of the globalist elite. But, it, but, but that very agenda is so radically different in nature to the mythology and fairy tale that people have been taught and programmed and indoctrinated to believe about reality, to believe about mankind's goodness, to believe about mankind's altruism. That notion, that concept, that they are going to, that they are in the process of doing it right now. Let me repeat what I just said. They're in the process of doing the mass extermination right now through a variety of means. And most of those means are are being done openly. It's just that when you see the evidence, you have to accept the evidence and process it versus rejecting the evidence and, and saying it's not true when it is true. So, so they have designed the educational system, the media, the banking system. All the systems on planet Earth are basically controlled by the globalist and Luciferian elite. They have programmed the rest of the human race to only believe their fairy tale or spiritual deception about our present reality. And so when somebody tries to communicate the truth and has facts to back up the truth they're trying to communicate, the instantaneous automatic reaction of the average American, the average Christian, the average person on earth is that person literally shouts inside of himself and often shouts outside of himself or herself. No, that can't be true. That's a conspiracy theory. You're lying. Nobody could be that evil. You see, they have a deeply entrenched mental block or mental barrier, which is it's, it's constructed out of spiritual energy and, and frequency, but it, it is, it's like solid iron. It's like a solid metal barrier that even a nuclear weapon couldn't crack this barrier or what the Bible calls a satanic stronghold, a false belief system designed to imprison you because it's satanically energized. So people can't bring themselves, even people who know the truth, even people who have gone a long way down the road in processing these very difficult truths to accept, because they are difficult to accept. It's going to rock your boat when you understand what's really going on. It's going to upset you when you understand what's really going on. It's going to force you to rethink your position on just about everything when you find out what's really going on. It is not an easy path. But you see, a true Christian is supposed to be pursuing truth. Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And Jesus Christ also told all of us who are Christians 
that we have to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. So in order to receive and understand the truth, you're going to have to go oftentimes through a painful process where in the words of Jesus Christ, you're going to have to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. You're going to have to pick up your cross and deny yourself. That means deny yourself the, the, the fantasy enjoyment of believing in the fairy tales and delusions you've been taught. You're going to have to really pick up your cross and follow Jesus. But in the process, when you pick up your cross and follow Jesus, yes, you end up dying to yourself, your delusion. And you can do this by this, the power of the Spirit of God. But you also will find out that you will awaken into who you really are, a brand new man or a brand new woman in Jesus Christ, and that you are destined for a world vastly far beyond this present prison planet, if you will. You are destined for heaven, the new earth, the new heaven, and the new Jerusalem. You are destined to live in paradise with Jesus Christ and God and all other true believers forever and ever and ever in eternity. And, and you, you can be saved from, from uh, eternal life in hell and this temporal hell. So, but, but this, can, this revolution in your mind, which brings about freedom, can only occur when you're willing to confront and deal with the basic barriers, the basic strongholds, the basic lies, the basic delusion, the basic spiritual deception that you have been programmed to believe all of your life from childhood, or excuse me, from deception. And see, this is the barrier that every, Christians especially, you know, they, they sound like they're Christians. They, you know, at face value, it sounds like they believe the Word of God, but do they really? No, they don't really believe the Word of God, because when it comes to this barrier, this stronghold, which is satanically energized, when it comes to the nitty-gritty, which is accepting the fact that this world is not what you think it is, that this world is ruled by Lucifer's temporary servants, the globalist elite or Luciferian elite, that Lucifer is the temporary god of this world, and that they, because they, they are pure evil, they are willing to do anything to accomplish their goal for Lucifer. And that means totally surrendering as individuals, as organizations, as globalist institutions. They have chosen to totally surrender to the will of Satan, carrying out Satan's marching orders. And that means, that means many things. But first and foremost, what it means is that in the time period that we live on, the United Nations, which was created to be a globalist dictatorship, or a world communist dictatorship, or, or a world government. The United Nations, which is a Luciferian doctrine-based world government, you read the founding documents of the United Nations. I, I quote them for you in my books, like A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, uh, The Day the Dollar Died, um, Power from on High, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, and other uh, books that I've written, Conquering the Matrix. I explain, I quote from the founders of the United Nations, the founders of the globalist institutions, and I also quote from the founding documents of the United Nations, and you can read for yourself, because I quote them word for word in my books, that their plans are based on the, the spiritual communication between them and demons, 
that that they are obeying demonic orders, channeling demons, channeling principalities and powers. And when you read the secret documents and the secret doctrines which provide the foundation of organizations like the World Health Organization and the United Nations, etc., you see that this is the that the UN, who the World uh, Economic Forum, etc., that these are all the product of Luciferian doctrines and Luciferian organizations. Now, now people bristle at that and they react anger, with great anger, especially Christians. But the fact of the matter, the reason they're reacting so violently when you communicate the truth and you can provide endless evidence and quotes to support your presentation of the truth, the reason they react so violently, it's because they are being confronted with the truth. And that confrontation with the truth demands one of two things. Number one, you you reject the truth when it is presented to you. You you give in to that mental barrier, to that mental programming, which causes you to be deceived. You continue to go along with this Luciferian world system. You continue to deny the truth about this present-day world system. That's option number one. Or option number two is you admit that what you've been told about reality from true Christians is true truth, final reality. It is the real truth. It is the truth. And it is what is in total agreement with what God's Word says. It's with what it's, what, it's agreeing with what God's word says from Genesis to Revelation, and especially in the Book of Revelation. So, where all of this brings us, it's to the place where you gotta not only you repent of your sins, and part of repenting of your sins, you know, people get all bent out of shape. All sin is unacceptable to God. Not just some sins, all sin. But Christians in America major on on secondary sins. Like somebody had a dirty thought. Okay, they need to repent. Somebody smoked a cigarette. Okay, it's not healthy. I mean, those are not, those are sins. Yes, they need to be repented of. Yes, but they are not primary sins. Primary sins are like unbelief that Jesus Christ is Lord, refusing to be, to, to admit that you're a sinner and refusing to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, believing the Word of God, believing the book of Revelation, those are the big primary sins in the eyes of God. So, right now, the United Nations, a globalist institution founded by Satanists and Luciferians, are driving this global agenda from 2020 to 2030. And they, they, have one, they, have, they are doing one of their primary excuses for radically restructuring our world system is to to promote lies like global uh, climate change, uh, to promote lies like excessive population growth, and then then to create solutions that give them the cover or the pretense to commit what could only be considered mass murder of billions of people on planet Earth. Because they have to, according to their own writings and words, they have to annihilate 6.5 billion people by uh, 2030. 
And the only way you can reduce the, the global population by 6.5 billion people in just a, sh- a short few years is you have to employ the most devastating killing devices ever invented by mankind. You have to use technologies that some people don't even believe exists. You have to weaponize diseases. Diseases offer a cover for the mass killing off of the masses of humanity. They drop dead or they incrementally get sick and drop dead because they got some disease. But they don't know that the, the disease was deliberately created in a laboratory and that the disease was deliberately distributed by secret groups and secretive organizations. I just want to say something to, 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 to make this as concise and precise as I possibly can so that you can do your part in helping to empower Christians to stand up against the, the, the ominous darkness that's approaching us. There's no question that we live in a time that is equivalent to the time of um, ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel, the time of the Great Flood of Noah, the time of the plagues coming upon Egypt and the Pharaoh, a type of Satan pursuing uh, Israel in, in the wilderness, the Red Sea split across. And then you read about the plagues and the judgments and the wrath of God the trumpets of God in the book of Revelation, <clears throat> and it's horrific beyond description. But is it horrific in light of the nature and the intensity of the evil and the evil men and the evil women who rule this planet right now temporarily? I'll put that in your plate to consider. Okay, let's give you a quick analogy. So this is a bite-sized analogy that you can use to communicate admittedly a very difficult truth for most people, but do it quickly, surgically, and efficiently. Okay, so you revisit Nazi Germany, Adolf Hitler, the Third Reich, and it is a, it's a type of where we are now, and it's a type of where we're going, biblically. It foreshadows what happened with Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany and the Jews and the Holocaust and the entire nightmare is being repeated again. And so we've been given a historical heads up and a historical warning regarding what is to come. Okay, so let's look at Nazi Germany and look at the key factors. One, Nazi Germany was ruled. All of Adolf Hitler's top generals were deeply involved in Satanism and the occult. The satanic symbols, the occult symbols and signs and gestures were everywhere in Nazi Germany. Adolf Hitler was a type of Satan. His, his generals believed he was totally demon-possessed. He, but he was also a type of Satan. He, he gave himself over to Satan to be used as an instrument of satanic power on the earth. Notice that key features in the Third Reich, which was Hitler's occultic, satanic government and secret occult, secret societies financed and promoted behind the scenes, this satanic government. So Hitler and the Nazis were obsessed with excessive population and wiping out all population and all people 
so that they could stop uh, excessive population growth, and especially they wanted to eradicate they wanted to eradicate with genetic engineering any DNA in any human being or ethnic group or what they considered defective group of people. They wanted to wipe out and annihilate through euthanasia, through, through very uh, clever, uh, secretive programs. And so the end game for Nazi, for Nazi Germany and Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich was to get all the Jews, because the Jews are God's chosen people, to get many Christians and many people who were considered defective and bring them into these mass death camps or mass concentration camps and wipe them out so they wouldn't reproduce. And so he killed Hitler and the Nazis killed over 30 million people in the concentration camps, basically through the gas chambers and the ovens where they were burnt alive. And so this was mass genocide and the targeting of genetic groups and ethnic groups. And it, you could tell that the entire mass kill-off was uh, satanically energized because the target was God's chosen people, the Jews. And he targeted the Jews. Yes, Protestants were wiped out. People from many different religions were wiped out, but the primary target was the Jews. And so how did Hitler how was Hitler and the Nazis and the Third Reich able to do all these evil things, essentially to a large degree, out in the open? Why was it that the German people, why was it that the Jews themselves and the Christians, why was it they couldn't see what was obviously happening all around them? It was like they were blind to the reality right in front of them. And this was the reality right in front of them. Jews were being rounded up from their apartments and their places of business and other things. They were arrested. They, they, had a, they had to wear a yellow star indicating that they were Jews. Then they were shipped off to the concentration camps where sooner or later they were murdered and massacred. And this was happening right in front of the Jews, the Christians, and all, kind, and all kinds of people. It wasn't hidden. But, but notice how the people's brains, like the people's brains in America right now, went into like an automated denial. Why is it that the people, the Jews, the Germans, the Christians, and everybody else, couldn't see what was obviously happening right in front of them? What, what, what was blinding them? The same exact satanic forces and technologies that are being used right now in America and across the world to blind people from seeing the, the death machine that is being utilized right now in America and across the world. Those same technologies that caused people to be psychologically blind to their reality are being employed right now in America and across the world. And those technologies would be the subtle, covert introduction of tranquilizers in the water supply, like fluoride, which is a tranquilizer, and, and uh, other tranquilizing drugs were secretly put into the water supply by Hitler, and that dumbed the people down. They couldn't see the obvious. But then the use of mind control, satanic propaganda, brain, scientific brainwashing, MKUltra, and the usage of powerful mind-altering drugs, mass hypnosis, mass programming. So you see, when you take all these different ingredients and mix them together 
you come up with the perfect mass mind control formula that when you release it into the mass population, you can shut down or turn off the ability of the mass population to actually see and comprehend the obvious negative and evil reality that is happening all around them. Even though physically they can see it and, and with their ears they can hear it, they know it's happening, but then it, like it comes to a stop in their mind or consciousness and the brainwashing programs take over. Hitler and the Nazi scientists, Nazi mind control scientists, Nazi rocket scientists, Nazi genetic scientists, all working together in creating this occultic new world order. And that's what Hitler called the Third Reich, a new world order. And the people are like spellbound. It's like they've been put into a trance state. Now, that is why Hitler was able to invade all the nations around him. And that's why Hitler was able to move forward out in the open his totally satanic agenda. You see, if you compare and contrast the history of the Nazis and Adolf Hitler in Nazi Germany, if you compare it with what's going on in America, what's going on in the world regarding globalism, mass population control, and what Hitler called the big lie. And the principle of the big lie is uh, an understanding that Adolf Hitler had about mass mind control, which he wrote about in his his biography called Mein Kampf. Hitler said in his biography that it's easier to get the masses to believe one giant big lie than it is to get the masses to believe smaller, tinier lies, especially the middle class. So what Hitler was saying is there's a psychological principle that I know of and that I'm using. It's easier to get people to believe a big giant lie than it is to get people to believe a series of small lies. And the reason for that, Hitler said, is that the average middle class person can't possibly comprehend that anybody would dare to do something so outrageous as, as commit the big lies. Nobody would do that. Therefore, they automatic, the middle class and working class automatically rejected the very concept of believing the big lie. They just rejected it. They slammed the door on it in their brain. Why? Hitler explained, because for the average middle-class, working-class person, in their personal lives, he said, it's a huge deal, it's a huge barrier to, to, to commit uh, telling even small lies. It's very difficult for them to tell even small lies, because they have to overcome a, a huge internal barrier to, 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 to do even small lies, Hitler said. And therefore, because they can't conceive of the fact that anybody could, could dare to commit these small lies, they would not ever dare to even remotely conceive that people would ever, ever, ever in a zillion years commit these big lies. In fact, they believed it would be impossible for anybody to commit the big lies. Therefore, they always, the middle class and working class, will always immediately shut down the truth and believe the big lie instantaneously. They'll just believe the big lie instantaneously, and yet the smaller lies, they'll, they'll absorb incrementally. Now, see, Hitler was evil. He was satanic, so he knew these satanic tricks known as the wiles of the devil. There are people in America and the superpowers of this world who are just as savvy and just as sophisticated 
with mind control and scientific brainwashing and the principles that Hitler and the Nazis knew about in practice. There are people in America, Great Britain, the European Union, Communist Russia, Communist China, all over the world that are very sophisticated, educated, and up to speed and are busy using science and technology and psychology and biology and eugenics to perpetuate the big lie. And that is why all this evil is happening all around us. And yet the average middle class and working class person in America, including the larger percentage of the middle class and working class Christian in America, they cannot see the obvious. They're shut down. And the root of this is this is spiritual warfare. God is calling you and me to use the truth to break the chains of, of the spiritual captives and the spiritual slaves. You and I live in the prophetic hour in which God is calling his remnant church to break the chains, to break the deception, to break the lies of Satan off the mass populations. You and I live in that prophetic hour where, where God is calling his remnant church, his people, who are truly alive in Christ. He's calling you now to take a stand in the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. So I ask you to make the decision in your heart that you will stand for the truth in Jesus Christ. And I invite you to stand with me as we proclaim the truth in the spiritual battle. I invite you to be an intercessory prayer warrior. I invite you to stand with us in this war against rigging and manipulation. I invite you to join with Paul McGuire Ministries and Paradise Mountain Truth, Paradise Mountain Church, in proclaiming the truth. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Together, we can release the power of God. Together, we can see a visitation in proportion to repentance and our willingness to cry out to God, to cry out to Jesus Christ. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. 